Good morning, Sister Joanna. Good morning, Sister Iris. Well, I am so glad to see you here at the window. And I'm looking at three things out my window today, and I wanted to share those with you. And I got on my Alpha Kappa Alpha hat to let you know that I'm a part of a big special organization, and so is my soror, Dr. Joe. But in any event, welcome, welcome, welcome. And today is the day before Mother's Day. Hip, hip, hooray for all the mothers, all the grandmothers, all the great-grandmothers, all of the stepmothers, every kind of woman in your life that has contributed to your greatness and success. So to start the program off, before we hear from two phenomenal moms, I'm going to ask Dr. Joe to tell me a little tiny story that reveals the personality of her mom. (laughs) Well, I had to think hard to come up with just one story. So I think I'll tell a story that just encapsulates her whole life. So my mom went to glory almost 20 years ago now, and I can never remember a time in my life when my mother didn't make me feel 100% loved and cherished and nurtured and valued. And she was like that with everyone. She was everyone's mom. And so it's so gratifying to me, not only when I remember that, but when other people come up to me and tell me the kind of environment she created in my home, along with my dad and along with my sisters, it was everybody's household. And so I didn't know until I got to be an adult that not every child had that experience Mm -hmm. of constantly feeling loved and safe in their home. And so as an adult, that's one of the issues on on my list. I always say to our audience, when we talk to our guests and when we go through our topics, gee, what should we do about that? On my list, doing something in some way, when I look through my window and I see a world where every child doesn't feel like they belong here, mm-hmm. that troubles me a lot. But but kudos and love to my mom and every other mom, as Dr. I said, who, who makes somebody feel special. Mm-hmm. My mom, Verna Cooper, was the queen of sarcasm. She got her point across by going to an extreme. And she really struggled with the uh, disco uh, 70s attire when we were kind of loosey-goosey and didn't have on undergarments sometimes and hair afro and and staying out late and just I you know I pushed the limits um, and so one day my girlfriends were waiting for me to go to a festival a music festival and I had some raggedy jeans ready to put on and a t-shirt that was raggedy And I was getting in the bathtub. And before I could get in the bathtub, my mom took them clothes and dropped them in the water. (laughs) And she said, now wear them. She said, I didn't buy you all these nice clothes (laughs) for you to look like a rag muffin. And my girlfriends were cracking up laughing because she could have just told me, you don't, don't wear those clothes. She made it impossible for me to wear those clothes. But on the other hand, my mom would stay up nights to finish my algebra three problems when I couldn't finish them. She'd say, go on to bed, I'll work on them. Now she didn't have a college degree, but she loved math and she loved me. And she wanted me to walk in that classroom that morning and be the top student in the class. And she would do that for me. 
And that's just an example of how um, deep her love was for me. Now, the, the, the truth of the matter is I had a sister that passed at 18 years of age in a car accident. And um, she was a prodigy. She was going to graduate from college at 18. Had fellowships to go to three or four different colleges. So I kind of came up with that shadow, you know, that Iris, you've got to kind of do the best you can to make up for that. And so um, I've tried, have never come close to that level, but I never wanted to hurt her feelings or her expectations of what I could do if I put my mind to it. So um, that's my mom. I miss her, and I hope to see her again soon. That was a very creative story. Being a mother is a special calling. It is. And my mom had this thing about angels. She wore angels. We had angels all over our house. I still find angels. I said she's been gone from from this realm for about 20 years. I still find angels that she had places, and that's what I think that mothers are. Mothers are, God doesn't need us to do his work. He allows us to do his work, and mothers, he allows it to do it in a special way. Not only our biological moms, mm-hmm. as you said, but anybody who stands in the place of a mom. I think our moms are talking to God right now. Oh, I know that through the Saying, gift hey, of everlasting our life. Our mothers there. are not gone. That's yeah, right. yeah, That's I think right. they're they're right there today. But in any event, let's move on. Let's move on. I think we have one of the phenomenal moms on the phone. And you know what? Our guests today share with us a special distinction. And we've tailored this show around knowing every mother is exceptional. We've tailored this show around the successes of single moms. Dr. I and I are both single moms. And so are our guests today. Yes. And um, single mom is a term that you can interpret many different ways. But we're going to hear two versions of it today from two women that are here in Central Ohio who just epitomize to me uh, a commitment to their children. And the first one, the first one is my buddy, Lark Mallory. Lark is an exceptional uh, young woman. I'll call her young woman. I met her about 20 years ago um, from a mutual connection. And we were both juggling career and family. We were both uh, juggling um, some expectations at work that were sometimes impossible or unrealistic. And we both kind of confided in each other, even though there's quite a gap between our ages. Um, We had some things in common. And so I would like you to meet my buddy, my friend, my colleague, Attorney Lark Mallory. Hi, Lark. Hi, how are you? I'm good now that I hear your voice. Well, and, and let me let me add to our actual meeting. You don't remember this, but you had one woman of achievement, YWCA woman of achievement. I saw you on stage, and I remember the remarks that you gave. It was that that moment that I knew I wanted to be your friend, even if you had no idea mm-hmm. who I was. So. Um, I looked up to you just just from that experience. You spoke to me in that space. Well, I remember standing on State Street <laughs> talking to you. So yes. we go back a long way, and she's done exceptionally well in her uh, legal career. And tell us a little bit about your, your job right now. 
Sure. So um, I was formerly a partner, law firm partner, the large law firm, about 500 attorneys. I sat on the board of what is called the Affordable Housing Trust for Columbus and Franklin County, sat on the board for several years. I was invited to come in as our first in-house general counsel. So I'm our general counsel. I do a little bit of everything. Um, and we are a lender. We make loans to developers of affordable housing. So whether um, someone is developing two to four units or two to 400 units, we may be one of the funding sources that they look to. And I, I close all of those transactions. Oh, my. Okay. And you're not from Columbus, are you? No, I am originally from Warren, Ohio. I went to undergrad and law school at OSU. Um, after I left OSU, I, I also have a, an LLM, a master's degree in tax law. After my law school degree, I practiced in D.C. for several years. And then um, when that, my now ex-husband and I moved back to, to the Columbus area where we originally met. And you brought with you two other beings, correct? <laughs> I did. I did. They were both um, born in Washington while we were in D.C. Um, and came back. So, I, yeah, I, I guess I'm going to just be extremely <laughs> transparent. Came back when they were two and four. Um, I, You know, my ex-husband and I were together for about a month before we split up so we split up when they were two and four um and we divorced a year later they were they were young folks three and five so when you hear the term single mom what comes to mind you know i was just listening to um the stories um that you told as you reminisced on your moms and and i think that's what single moms are too we are just a regular old mother, but maybe we have a few more balls juggling in the air. Um, that's my view. I don't know if that is society's view. So, so I, you know, I grew up and I graduated in the eighties, and I remember Murphy Brown. Do you guys remember that Murphy Brown show? She mm-hmm, was a sure. single mom, mm-hmm. that first single mom, and remember she was attacked during um, Quayle's presidential campaign. But so a single mom can be anywhere from that success story where you're dealing with a professional mom with resources to some of what the media gives us now where single moms are at the, at the root of everything that is wrong with society. Um, so I see myself more as just a, a regular mom trying to figure it out, just like every other mother, but with maybe a few more balls in the air than I'm juggling. And and just to, um, not to correct you, but to add to your conversation, there was a black single mom on TV in the 70s. Diane Carroll was, what was her name, Dr. Joe, the nurse? Oh, what was her name? It's going to come to okay, me. Okay, well, at any rate, she was a single mom. Julia. Julia. Thank you so Julia. much, Julia. And I used to watch that, um, but... Uh, yeah. So, so as an unmarried parent, what are some of the challenges that led to your children? They're grown pretty much now. And so what can you re- recall that 
was a challenge, but turned out to really have a, a very positive uh, result. Oh, boy, there are so many. Um, <laughs> I think every day had its own challenges. Um, so when, when my kids were really little, I, I was an attorney at a law firm, which is very demanding. Um, and not very many women or very many black women or very many single black women with kids. So, so I, I can't say I was blazing a trail for every woman, but I know I was blazing a trail for women like me. And I kind of had to make it up as I was going. We would get up early in the morning um, and the kids would want a story in the morning, not just a story <laughs> at night. Um, but they'd want to get in, you know, I'd wake them up. They'd want to get in the bed um, with me and have me read one more story in the morning. And then we would always be rushing. Um, but, but where that's turned out now is they're both in college. My daughter is a junior at Duquesne in Pittsburgh. She's on a full ride. My son graduated in the midst of the pandemic and, and where he got scholarships to other schools. He decided to stay home this first year, and he's at Columbus State. So there, that education, that constant reading, Mom, can we have one more story when I was dead tired at night? Or I was trying to get somewhere in the morning. But I think that has paid off because they're both very bright children, um, or I guess young adults. And, and, and I, I can share story after story, but I – they would fight. They would bicker with each other. Um, but last night, I was in my bedroom, and I could hear their conversation in, in our family room. So that, you know, it was a struggle because it was just the three of us all the time. And sometimes they'd be bickering with each other. But there's a closeness there that I don't think could be replicated in any other area of life. There's something about siblings. It's something about being raised with just a, just you and your mom um, that created a closeness between the two of them that I love to see. Now, they still fight. I might still have to pick up an argument, um, but they are extremely close, and they're both extremely bright. I remember now we had that in common, too. A boy and a girl that yes, and would, your daughter's name is Micah. Yes, yes. You'd be at work yep. and, and you'd hear some, you, you oldest one would call and say, you better, you got to come home now because so-and-so's knocked over the Christmas tree and blah, blah, blah. blah. I do remember those days. But yeah. uh, we're yeah. going to continue talking with you. We've got to take a real quick little break here, but we're going to come back and talk to attorney Lark Mallory on the window in just a few moments. We're back on the window with our guest, Lark Mallory, who's one of numerous single moms here today as we celebrate Mother's Day weekend. We're talking about success stories for single moms, but let me say for one moment, we don't mean to glamorize what it takes and what it requires to be a single mom. And for that matter, we don't want to overly glamorize what it takes to be a mom. It's hard work. Every mm -hmm. single day, it's hard work. And so back to our guest, Lark Mallory. We've heard that it takes a village to raise a child, and that certainly has been my experience. Was there a village that supported you as you raised your two beautiful children that you talked to us about before the break? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely, yes. 
So um, I remember shortly, my grandmother, my grandmother, she, she's passed on now, but she had six girls and one son. Um, my uncle was my grandmother's youngest, and, and uh, my uncle, my grandfather unfortunately passed away when she was pregnant with my uncle, never got a chance to meet his son, but my, my family was extremely close. And I share all of that to say I remember shortly after my divorce, and my grandmother and a couple of my aunts came down to Columbus to visit me. And my grandmother said right there, um, she was talking to her daughters, y'all better help that girl. You know how you know Southern grandmothers are. <laughs> um, but every single summer, every summer, my children went to my hometown for at least two weeks. So every single summer, my family gave me two weeks to just exist without, you know, the, the, the trials of being a mom. Um, and that was, that was so refreshing. And I know not everyone has that, but even day to day, we, I mean, I just had a great girlfriend circle and guy friend circle as well. Um, whether I had to travel for work and, and, you know, girlfriends were picking up and dropping off one of my best friends, Courtney, she still to this day will bring McDonald's to the kids because um, that was something they couldn't have. But, you know, Aunt Courtney got a McDonald's. Um, it, one thing, and I believe in therapy. I know I'm, I'm kind of going all over the place, but I believe in a good therapist. And when, when the kids are really little, and I was so worried about their development because you do hear so many stories and so many negative statistics about raising children by yourself. But one of the things that the therapist said to me, a couple of things. One, she said, as long as I was okay, they were going to be okay. So my friends also made sure that I maintained my own sanity. Um, and then she also, she said, kids need a soft place to land. And in a two-parent household, you know, mom might be mad at a kid, but dad is still there and, and can help the child work through it. So I had those friends who, when something was going wrong and they couldn't tell mom, my children could also pick up the phone and call a friend um, who could br help break that, navigate the story, break the story to mom. Um, I, to this day, I have a good male friend. Every single time my daughter is at home from college, they go out to dinner together. He knew she bought guinea pigs before I did. So I, I think they need those people around to you know to, to to just be to to show them how to exist and, and to to provide um a balance to whatever energy mom is bringing at the moment but i had an entire village i can give you example after example um my kids both played aau basketball one year they were literally practicing every monday wednesday same day six to eight same time he was in Pickerington. She was out west. I had a friend who took my daughter to practice every single week. Um, I remember my son's tryout, and another friend had said, you know, call your mom, let your mom know you're here. And in the background, my son didn't hang up the phone. And in the background, I heard Uncle, Uncle Andre telling him, go in there and show them how great you are. I still have that message on my phone because they were receiving encouragement and support from just so many people. You you just can't do it on your own. It's impossible to do it just by yourself. And and I was thankful that, that even without their dad being present, 
Um, we just had a, a huge support system. My son's barber, to you know, to this day, he's been his barber since he was about five years old, who will still speak wisdom into his life. And, and I think boys and girls, whether it's a father in the house or a father figure in the house or just a father figure outside the house, but they still need that that man figure, that father figure in their lives. And and I was thankful that there were a lot, of, not a lot of men. <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds real bad. But that there were men from, you know, my son's barber to his coaches to just, you know, Uncle Andre and Aunt Erica. There were really good friends who would stand in that gap for my children and so yes we had an entire village all to say yes I couldn't have done it without them and and I do like the fact that you brought in the importance of having a man in the life of um, of young men who are being raised by single parents and I would say vice versa as well there are there are fathers out there who are doing their thing solo and I think it's important also to have a female I'll share a quick story my son is now 25 and when he was about 16 he had a friend at the house and that friend was also being raised by a single mom and the friend said as a compliment to his mom and me that gee our mothers don't need a man our mothers have raised us by themselves and I had to stop him in his tracks without really thinking about what I was saying to him so I hope it didn't come across wrong to him as I hope it doesn't come across wrong to our audience but mothers have been for generations doing the very best we can to fill in in the role of a mother and a father when we need to but I don't believe I can father a young man the way a man can father a young man I believe I can be a good substitute and so for all the men just as you said for all the men who stepped up in any role you talked about sports that's what just about sent me over the edge as a single parent trying to make all the games and get from one side of town to the other I remember the first time my son had a one-on-one coach and we were in the gym playing waiting for the coach to get there and when the coach got there we introduced him and I said something to my son and he kept playing and the coach said did you hear your mother talking to you and the mm-hmm. impact of mm-hmm. a male voice in the room, mm-hmm. the way my son looked at him just made such a difference. So, again, to yeah. everyone in our audience, anytime you can be part of that village in any productive way, that is such a blessing to a single mom. Lark, we have one. I, oh, excuse me. Go ahead. But can, can I add on to something? I think we forget how important it is for little girls to have that male role model, too. That's good. That's um, absolutely true. I, my daughter, I, I think she's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. But when she was in high school, my kids went to Bishop Hartley. We went through that um, what is the beauty standard stage. And I remember us talking about it. And I said, well, I saw you, you're beautiful all the time. And she said, well, you have to, you're my mother. <laughs> and I said, but other people tell you, too. And she remembered it was one of those male role models who she remembered telling her that she was beautiful little girls need that as well too and now i'm not encouraging you know having random people in and out of your children's lives but these are close friends um who i'm still close to today who my children call uncle and aunt um that that really stood in the gap for both of them one final question um lark before we um switch gears and bring on another guest. It seems like um, single parent households are 
are um, identified as one of the reasons that our uh, community suffers economically, socially, and in other categories. And this has been the subject of many studies. Um, and the bottom line is that really some single parents are struggling. I mean, you and I tried to be super mom um, and Joanna, but some single moms don't have the education or the, the village or the support that um, we enjoyed. What's your take on what should be done about uh, supporting single moms that weren't as fortunate as we were? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you, you know, I, I think it's two part. First of all, I think we need to support people overall. So I am an, a fan of raising minimum wage. I am a fan of universal health care because those are things, those types of things are things that benefit all of us and, you know, not just single moms, but they have to benefit all of us. Um, I'm a fan of holding people responsible. If you if you make a child, you don't get to just walk away, even if that's only, you know, child support of $25 a week. Um, I, I don't think that you, ha you can put all of that on the person who is in the household. So whether that's the mom or the dad, the mom in my case. And then I gave the example of my grandmother in my own circle. Um, but I, I, I will say that I have extended myself. We've got to start extending ourselves um, like we used to. Remember, you know, we used to be more of a community, but where we see folks struggling, single mom or not, we've got to start helping. We've got, you know, on an individual basis as well. Well, I totally agree. How about you, Dr. Yeah, John? and I would say especially to our young listeners or our listeners who do have young people, again, not trying to over-glamorize this thing called parenting. So there are some right. very bad reasons to decide to be a parent. Being a parent isn't going to make him or her love you anymore. Amen. Being a parent is not like having a baby doll. Amen. Uh, there are lots of great people in the world to idolize for lots of great reasons. But, gee, when you hear about your favorite star who has 15 kids, kids maybe he or she right. has the bankroll financially to handle that but you know that's not something everybody should aspire to even though that may right. have worked for that person so um, again right. kudos to all parents who are who are out there doing their thing um, the successes are great and we applaud you and we applaud every parent who experiences a success um, but don't diminish for one moment that the success comes with a lot of prayer and a lot of support mm. and a lot of dedication mm. like you've demonstrated today with us here today absolutely, absolutely. Lark, you're, you're a success and your kids are oh. blessed to have you as a mom um, the community is blessed to have you as an advocate for um, the less fortunate and I just want to thank you for taking time out of your Mother's Day weekend to chat with us and to share some of your wisdom with our audience Thank you for inviting me. Um, you touched me just by the invitation and the fact that you thought I was a success story that that um, you touched me you, that that humbles me. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, happy Mother's Day and um, we're going to switch gears and I hope that you enjoy your weekend. Same to you. Happy Mother's Day. Thank All you right. for being with us. Okay. Well, now we're going to switch gears and Dr. Joe, do you want to 
transition to our next guest. Yes, we are very pleased to have yet another single mom to share with us what it's like to, to hold that title and be privileged to hold that title. We might be experiencing some technical difficulties, so let's be sure we have her on the line. In the meantime, there's some other thoughts I'd like to share. Well, let's see. Do we have Monica Womack on the line? Are you back with us? I think I am. Okay. Thank you. We had a few technical difficulties bringing you on. Thank you so much for being here with us today on the window. No, I'm excited. Oh, thank you so much. Um, We are delighted to have another successful single parent, Monica Womack. Monica, tell us a little bit of what's on your resume. Uh, So, again, I just want to say thank you both to Dr. Iris and Dr. Joanna for having me here today. And as Lark shared, you know, I'm also humbled by the fact that I am being viewed by you uh, wonderful women as a success story um, as a single mother. Um, I served over 20 years in the financial services industry from retail banking to uh, commercial loans and uh, quality control operations. Um, Transitioned to the state of Ohio where I served as the um, director over the minority business development division um, underneath Chief Johnson to provide resources and support to minority-owned businesses. And now I serve um, as an associate vice president with the Columbus Urban League, providing support to financial empowerment services as well as workforce and career services. And not only that, you are a member of the National Coalition of 100 Black Women, correct? Yes, ma'am. I do serve in that organization within the public policy. And I also serve as the chapter president for the National Forum for Black Public Administrators, the uh, Greater Columbus chapter as well. So tell us about your babies that you've been gifted to mother. Yes, so I have uh, one son, um, similar to you, Dr. Joe. Uh, He is a 22-year-old graduate of the University of Kentucky with a degree in kinesiology with a focus and concentration on developmental psychology. Congratulations. Um, Wow. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So I am definitely a a proud mother um, and very excited to be Um, in this conversation around uh, single motherhood because there are differences to our experiences. So I like to, I'm excited about being able to share that side, for me at least. So tell us about your experience. Um, So with my experience, I really refer to myself as a mother who's single. Um, While my son's father and I never married and never stayed in a um, relationship as a couple, Um, But we did maintain a relationship as co-parents. And so for our son, it was really about who's on Team William. Mm -hmm. William is the core, the um, source of our relationship, our dynamic. And it isn't a matter of whether or not we are romantically involved. We, as his parents, love him. And so we ensure that he has not just his needs being met, but even his heart's desires sometimes to a fault. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so his father and I, um, while he was younger, 
we would have, you know, he had his days out of the week. I had my days out of the week, um, which didn't mean that just because it was my day that his father wasn't able to be around and or participate in activities that he had um, because he was definitely very active in sports between AAU basketball to travel baseball to even when he got into high school running track. So if he had activities on days that would be considered his dad's day, then and I'm there and vice versa. So um, even when he was younger, the parents in these sporting events really didn't know that we weren't a couple, not because we operated in a romantic way, but because we operated in unison. And they were able to see a unified front by William's parents in the community. So how did how did your son swallow that relationship, mom being in one place and dad being somewhere else? No, that's a great question. And because it happened very early in his life, he knew nothing different okay. from his experience. Um, what he would see, though, is, you know, he did have friends that, you know, they weren't they were in a dual parent household. And so he um, he saw that there were advantages to having he actually felt there was an advantage to both, that there's an advantage to being in a dual parent household where both your parents are there. But then he also had the opportunity to have what he considered his time with his parents because of the fact that we had separate uh, homes. Okay, okay. Um, How did you manage your career as, I mean, this is certainly a part of your development, uh, manage nurturing your son as well as um, putting what you had to into your career, self-care? No, no, that's, I mean, that's a great, you know, a great understanding. And it's really Many of the challenges that we as women, we as black women, we as black women who are mothers have are really irrespective of the fact that we are married or single. It's really how am I going to continue to develop my career while still making sure that I'm able to be where he needs me to be and where he wants me to be. And so there have been opportunities where I could have moved to advance my career, but I wasn't going to leave my son here and or take my son away from his father. So, um, you know, it it is a challenge. Um, I will share very similarly to what Lark referenced. You know, my village is very, uh, is very large. Um, Outside of the days, if there was something else that I needed to do on a day that would be considered quote unquote my day, my son, my mother and parents were very supportive. Um, My son's father's mother, um, again, an amazing woman. Uh, She's, you know, like a bonus mom to me. Uh, was always available to, you know, be with, as she referred to him as her grand man. Um, so, you know, <laughs> the ability and the opportunity to, um, you know, have those spaces. And, you know, he has his aunties and, you know, um, even uncles that are in the community outside of his actual biological uncle, um, you know, to be around and to be available. So my, my village definitely um, provided space um, for Uh, and afforded me the space to be able to take maybe a moment or two just to kind of just breathe, if you will. Well, you were fortunate. 
So speaking of careers as it relates to being a single mom and a single black mom in particular, I'm looking at an article from Forbes.com that Dr. I shared with me, a recent article that goes back to a study that was done in 2018, the motherly state of motherhood. And it says that black mothers are four times more likely to be single and serve as the primary breadwinners of their families, and that in the five-year period from 2012 to 2017, the number of single black mothers who earned more than $75,000 grew 106%, and that was higher than the growth rate of single white mothers at 76%. So black mothers during that time outpaced the income growth of all single mothers. And so you use the word amazing. I think it's amazing that we can be at those upper ends, relatively speaking, of the income scale in terms of how we're succeeding despite what would say, some would say the odds. And yet also we could similarly look at statistics of those who aren't making it as well as we talked about before, statistics that point to the fact that single income households um, face the, the challenges of not having two breadwinners in the family and that that contributes to other factors within society. So within the income level, I think that points once again to to Dr. I and Monica to the extent that there's some type of special gift of being a single mom that you do what you need to do to make it. And certainly when you, um, Monica, have the advantage of having a second income, I think that makes a difference too. Support in emotional ways, support in just being there, but also that support economically in our society makes such a difference. And I think that you and your um, child's father um, should be commended for not letting um, emotion, um, if you will, determine how you set up the support for your son. That's the problem, I think, in a lot of relationships is when the mom and the dad are mad at each other. The children take the hit for it. They take the hit for it financially. They take the hit for it with just attitude, with who's going to go to the softball game, um, who's going to pick the child up. And we, as mature people, have to get our feelings out of the way of how we take care of our kids. No, that's 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 really exactly it. And and to. And at the very beginning, so again, William was three when his uh, father and I, you know, parted from a uh, romantic relationship. And, you know, it it wasn't easy in the beginning. You know, his father really wasn't happy of the fact that I was, uh, you know, wanted, I made that decision. But I think the, the uniqueness of it is he thought, well, if you didn't want to be with me, then you also don't want my son. So he actually wanted to go in that direction of, you know, he's my child too and I'm like I understand that and I respect that we still have to be able to maintain that relationship and it and it didn't take long I mean I was very adamant on we are his parents and I also understood that he was adamant on being his father and so because that was really the root of who we were as people I am adamant at being his mother. You are adamant at being his father. And our ultimate goal is to make sure that we have, um, that we produce a great human being. That, you know, not to say that any of us do not have flaws, because we all do. He's not a perfect human being um, as our child. 
there may have been some other things that we could have done differently. And but we will always second guess as being parents, regardless of the situation, the scenarios or the um, perceived outcomes. We've got so we're to take, just really blessed. Excuse me. We've okay. got to take a just quick little break. We will be back with a few more um, of your uh, points of wisdom. And we will talk with you on the other side of the window. And the second of our guests here for today as we talk about a very unique category of mothers, single mothers. So we have Monica Womack on the line, and I wanted to ask you a question. We're not really trying to get too deep into your business today, so please back me off if we need to. But you did mention that you have the advantage of having a good co-parenting relationship with your son's father, even though you all no longer have a romantic relationship. And yet single parents are human. I know I personally made the decision not to date for about, oh, 10 years in my son's life. I tried it. It was just too much for me to try to maneuver. And yet I know others do that. They date and they even get married, which sets up a step-parenting situation and a blended family situation. Did you ever experience anything like that? Not directly. Um, I dated, but not to the point of actually... Um, really being that involved, especially while he was younger. Um, when he got to high school, I dated where someone was actually around him while um, just being in his space. His father did have a relationship, and then I was also very comfortable with um, the, the young lady that he was dating at the time when our son was a little bit younger. But we both really wanted to make sure that our focus and our attentions were really on him and wanting him to be... Um, Literally, just to be a well-rounded human being, not just so much just being, you know, we made sure that we supported him academically, we supported him athletically, we supported him, you know, spiritually. Um, and so we just wanted to make sure that as parents that our focus was really on him. So some things may have uh, fallen to the wayside <laughs> as me being it um, with him being out of the home and actually he lives in another state now my son but you know it may be an opportunity for me to say oh I'm you know still this mom who's single because uh, while he is 22 and you know graduated from college we also understand that our roles as moms do not end when they graduate college <laughs> And so in, in our Mother's Day tribute today, we don't want yes. to overlook acknowledging those who take on the extra relationship responsibility of entering into a relationship with someone who is parenting or co-parenting and understanding, as Monica said, that their responsibility lies with their child oftentimes first and foremost. And so what types of things did you do? Dating, of course, isn't the only way that we as single parents make time for ourselves. What did you do or did that even exist? exist, a time when you just were able to take care of you? Well, with him playing sports pretty much year-round, that um, definitely wasn't the option. Um, so from a self-care perspective or taking time for me, um, on the few days out of the week that he may or may not have had either an actual practice or a game, um, I would literally just kind of just sit in the house and just be quiet and just really enjoy just being quiet. Um, now, when he graduated high school and went away to college, then it became, okay, it's too quiet. 
I'm not having to run around between, you know, and at one point in time he played on two travel teams for different sports. So it was, you know, we went to the morning for one baseball game and the afternoon was basketball. And so it, it got to a point where it's like, why am I doing all of these things? But when it was over, it was like, okay, so what am I doing now? <laughs> so, um, but I think that's also one of the things too, as being a mother and even as a single mother is, Sometimes our identities are in that space of being their mother. So I'm Will's mom, you know, and not Monica or, you know, Will's Monica's son. It was really, I became Will's mom. And so that was the identity or the moniker that I had that I carry. I mean, I still carry it, but it was definitely much different when he was younger. And I'm traveling all around, driving all around, getting him from here to there. And or meeting him here or there because it was his father's day and his father took him to those events. And, and being still, those quiet 30 minutes when you can sit there and, and not have to be in overdrive is a good thing, too. Our previous guest, Lark Mallory, mentioned, and, and we shouldn't have overlooked it, she briefly mentioned <laughs> therapy. And certainly if that's something that's needed for, for any parent to get through whatever feelings you may have of being overwhelmed or, or whatever else may be keeping you from performing at your best, that's greater. Even at this adult parenting life, I think I've found that adult parenting is more challenging than parenting of little kids but as you said sometimes our identity is so rooted in our children that once they go their way then it's time for us to determine how can we still be their parents we always will be but how can our own identity now have its turn and I think um, for some mothers like myself I kind of push the limits uh, to be super mom to kind Mm -hmm. of fill that void that I thought existed because of uh, the separation from their father. And so I would over-prepare and um, get very, uh, hard, was very hard on myself if I missed uh, um, a, a, an event at school or I was late to pick one of them up or, or any of those things. I was, you know, like, I can remember being late to one of my daughter's events at, in elementary school and I rushed in just a complete basket case and they were sitting on the floor and she looked up and she says mom what's wrong it's okay so some of us need to kind of um, normalize our expectations of ourselves that we have to have some wiggle room in being a single parent now um, Monica we have one other question that we would like your uh, response to as an unmarried parent, what are, what are some of the most memorable challenges that led to the blessings you have today that your son is sort of on his own? What can you remember that may have led to him being the kind of young man that he is today? No, I think that's really a great question. So, um, you know, some of the memorable challenges were really around creating family vacations. Um, While it would just be the two of us, I still wanted him to have those vacation memories. And so uh, navigating, you know, travel, navigating, getting to the location. Um, I can remember a time when we went to Chicago 
Um, and so I wanted to take him to a White Sox game because he was an avid baseball player. I also wanted him to go to the Lego Museum, which is right outside of uh, Chicago, because he loved Legos and building. Um, but it really felt like that weekend didn't live up. At least to me, it didn't live up. Like I felt like, you know, we got to the game. We had amazing seats. Um, he enjoyed that. But then some of the other things that he was wanting to do, um, while we did a lot of things, I just didn't feel like, at least in my mind and in my heart, that I had done enough. And when he talks back on the time now as an adult, of when he's like, oh, remember when we went to Chicago and we got to do this and we did that? And, you know, while I didn't want to get on the L, you know, you really, you know, wanted me to have that experience. And, you know, we went to the Dusabla. And so, you know, those types of things for him to repeat back to me, you know, at this point, now we're talking you know, 11 years between when we did that trip and, you know, now it definitely is like, okay, so oh, it may have felt like a lot. There was, I did something right. So Absolutely. You did many, many things, right? And I think that we all need to take an inventory of our, our parenting and there's genu- generally speaking way more good things then there are bad things. And, and sometimes it's the little things. I had a similar experience with Monica when my son began reminiscing things that we had done. And um, there were things that we spent a lot of time planning, things that we spent a lot of money on, big gifts, but the small things. And, and if there's mm-hmm. a parent thinking, well, wow, I'm limited as to what I can do for my child. He remembered things that I said to people or things, mm-hmm. e- even phrases that his grandparents used. Um, his grandfather used to say this too shall pass and his grandmother used to say trouble don't last always and so as he was he was struggling through and mastering his exams for his um, for his graduate program he remembered those things that they said things that didn't cost a thing but just wisdom they imparted and while we're talking about grandparents which is the next phase of parenting that I'm looking to did, did we do a special mm-hmm. shout out for grandparents who are not only in their here, here. children's lives but also raising their children that's a that's a a, a, a generational a generational challenge that that we just um, that yeah. we just can't overlook. And I've got one piece of advice for any of the uh, younger mothers out there with children that are still in the developmental stage. Stay current. I think it is not a wise idea to reach back to when you were a child and hold them to those same kinds of mm-hmm. expectations. This is a different world, ladies. It's a different world, and they have different challenges, and it's a different environment um, that you've got to stay on the same page as your child. And I'm doing that with my grandchildren. I'm trying to stay on the page with them so I keep relevant. Um, So um, we can't just be who we are. We've got to be who they need us to be. Ultimately, I think what we've heard from our guests today and hopefully from the two of us, Dr. I, that at the end of the day, it's the love. That's what makes us have a special day um, that we set aside just for mothers. But that's what makes every day Mother's Day. It's just the love. And and if any of you as adults didn't have the experiences we're talking about today, where perhaps your mom or whoever stood in the place of your mom just didn't have it within them to do the types of things that um, that ideally you wish they would have done, there's there's grace and forgiveness that allows you to go on with your life as well. And so, um, again, if there's someone you need to talk to, 
to to help you through that because remember the cycle sometimes continue and so you want to be sure that whatever it is you may not have gotten that you can still impart something more positive to your offspring I have one more thought if I could share it today. Absolutely. So there's some of us who are missing mothers on Mother's Day. We are mothers, but we're also missing our mothers on Mother's Day. And so I wrote just a little something as I reflected on my mom, and I'd just like to share that with all the mothers who are missing their mothers. And what was put on my spirit to say is that you can still find them in the love and the courage, the sacrifice, the strength, the energy, the wisdom, the grace that they instilled in you to raise your own children, nurture your grandchildren, and love others' children who aren't your own. They're still with you in the faith they gave you to pray without ceasing and know without doubting that mothers never leave because of God's divine gift of everlasting love. Amen. Thank amen. you, Dr. Amen. Any? And I just wanted to, if yeah. I could just have one little thing, so I do want to take the liberty. So um, I am actually blessed to still have my mother uh, with me. And um, and she's, to me, just one of the most amazing people, yet alone just the fact that she's my mother. But she actually graduates today with her third oh, master's wow. degree Amen. in adult education. So I just want to say, uh, again, congratulations and happy Mother's Day to my mother. Um, she definitely has set a standard um, within my life and within our community and within our family. So... Um, so I'm just definitely blessed and honored that I am able to have my mother still with me and be able to continue to celebrate all the things that she accomplishes. And that's great. And that will happen more and more as we live longer. We see mothers in their yeah. 80s, 90s, even 100s still doing. And for those of us who, like me, had the privilege of also caregiving for our mothers in our later years, mm-hmm. what a way that is to return the love that was given to us. So congratulations to your mom. Congratulations to all the moms there for just being moms. Thank you. Monica. And thank you, Mark, if you're still out there. Thank you to all of the mothers that are on the call, but even if they're not on the call, we appreciate you. The world needs you. Um, We salute you on this Mother's Day. And thank you to our listeners. Be part of somebody's village today. Happy Mother's Day to you all as well. All right. And thank you for joining us today. Happy Mother's Day, Dr. Joe. Thank you very much. Same to you, Dr. I. All right. See you next week on the window. 